I want to talk very briefly about our second reading before we, we jump more into our first reading in our gospel. Sometimes when you want to highlight something, you'll frame it. You'll put a frame around it, and it'll, it'll draw something out. And so, for instance, even in our church, we have our two icons. And they're the same style. They're matching icons of Jesus and Mary. But they frame what's even more important in the center. And the, the crucifix and the tabernacle are the center of our church, as they should be. Paul does that today in our second reading. And if you remember last Sunday's readings, as I'm sure you all do, we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And last Sunday, St. Paul told us about all these different gifts that the Holy Spirit pours out on his church. Well, Paul's going to do the same thing in 1 Corinthians 14. He's going to go back to spiritual gifts, and he's going to talk about uh, different ways the Holy Spirit pours out gifts to build up the church. So those two match, but right in the middle is today's beautiful reading about love. This is really important. There are many Christians today, there are many Catholics even today, who seem to emphasize that what really matters are gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now those are important. Anything that comes from the Holy Spirit is of course important. But speaking in tongues or gifts of prophecy, or if you remember last Sunday, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is administration. I'm still begging for that one. Um, Those are all good things. But make no mistake, to be a Christian is about faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. If you want to be a Christian, wherever it's happening in your life, Rich Mullins has this great quote where he says, you can talk about Jesus all you want in the kingdom, and you can know all sorts of things, but if you don't love other people, you are not a Christian. And I think that's true. So that's the, that's the centerpiece, and we're, we're going to try to tie that in. Have you ever made people uncomfortable? I do it all the time, as you know. But um, priests, when you become a priest, your very presence seems to kind of make people a little uneasy. And one of my favorite memories of that was uh, when I was still a seminarian, one of the families that I grew up with, um, their daughter got married. And I was always close with her. And they were non-practicing Catholics. And I was in the seminary, and the daughter got married up in the mountains at uh, Snow Mountain Ranch. And I went to the wedding in my collar, and the, the, her little brother did the wedding. And I personally thought it was kind of tacky, you know, that he had a keyboard. And he's like, this is a song I wrote about you two, you know. And I'm like, this is so weird. And they did the whole, like, sand thing. I don't know about you. Have you been to the weddings where they do the sand if you did this at your wedding, I'm not judging you, so please don't take this personally. But, like, you know how they pour the sand these days? They have, like, one pink set of sand and one blue set of sand, and they pour them together, and they're like, someone says, just as the sand can now not be separated, neither can their lives. I always think, it would take me a long time, but I could separate the sand. <laughs> like, you know. 
Um, I do think that. But I just remember that wedding, like my very presence made them uncomfortable. And the reason it made them uncomfortable was because they knew that there was something that should be different. Right? The, the little brother, and I love his family. I really do. They're a wonderful family. They actually really mean the world to me. But he's not a priest. He wasn't, he's not even someone who really believes in God. And there's something they knew. They knew deep down. You could just feel it. They knew something sacred was happening and that wasn't being recognized. It wasn't being done in a sacred way. And so I could just feel the, the little brother every once in a while, he would kind of make eye contact with me. And, and I, didn't, I wasn't trying to like make him uncomfortable, but I just did. Um, <laughs> that's not funny. This is my life. <laughs> the basic thing I want to come back to this morning, my basic challenge to you, brothers and sisters, today is you should make people uncomfortable. You really should. You sh- your presence should make the world uncomfortable. And for the right reasons, right? You might make people uncomfortable for all the wrong reasons, right? Maybe because you're awkward and mean. I don't know. That's a bad reason. You should make people uncomfortable because you love God and you live a moral life. That's, that should happen. It's so important. That's what our first reading from Jeremiah and our gospel are about today. Jeremiah, if you, if you heard, in Jeremiah, we're in Jeremiah chapter 1 this morning, and God appoints Jeremiah to be a prophet. In Israel, what, what God tells Jeremiah is that Israel is going to be obstinate. They're not going to want to hear what you have to say to them. Their hearts are hardened. And so God says to Jeremiah, he says, do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah and its princes, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Jesus, today, the the crowd tries to kill him. And I wish I could say it were otherwise, but brothers and sisters, the presence of God in the world makes people uncomfortable. If you haven't read Brides Head Revisited, someday you should. It's a great novel. And there's this wonderful line from, uh, there's a very devout woman in the story, and her daughter, Cordelia, she says, people can't really hate God, and so they choose something that's like God and reminds them of God, and they hate that thing or that person. And she says, that's why people hated my mother. That's who we should be. Right? Uh, none of us want people to dislike us. It's built into us we want to fit in. But the role sometimes of a Christian in the world is to call the world to repentance. And that doesn't mean that we're out there always saying, you know, 
people are, are bad or something. Sometimes there's a time for that. But most of the time, if you love God, people know it. And your presence is going to be irksome to them. And that's a good thing. It's part of our mission as Christians. Not because we want them to be uncomfortable, but because we love them enough to tell them the truth. We love them enough to tell them the truth. One of my... One of the best things about being a Catholic priest, well, let me put it the other way. I always feel bad for Protestant preachers. And, and because, the reason why is because they essentially are hired by their congregations in a lot of places. They apply for a position. You go and you apply to a church, and they'll, there'll be a committee that will hire a pastor. And, that, and Protestant pastors, they want to challenge their congregation. But if it's a fine line. If they challenge them too much, they might get fired. And they're married, they have kids, and that makes for a tough line to walk. Well, guess what? <laughs> you can't fire me. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> you can make my life kind of like a living H-E double hockey sticks, but you can't fire me. <laughs> and that's a great freedom. This is so important. We don't, want, we don't want to be disliked by people. But brothers and sisters, make no mistake about it. The gospel in the world provokes people. There's that side of mercy that we all want to hear. And that was last weekend. We heard all about the unbelievable depths and beauty and truth of the mercy of God. But that mercy goes hand in hand with a call to repentance. In the book of Romans, St. Paul tells us, he says, Do you not know that the kindness of God is meant to lead you to repentance? What's supposed to happen is we say, Jesus, I know you loved me before I could do anything. I know you died for me, not because I had my act together, but because you are love himself. But once that happens... What should naturally occur inside of us is we should say, and Lord, I'm going to change. Your love, your mercy, your goodness changes everything. And I'm going to live my life in a different way. That's so critical. So important. So the first thing this morning, brothers and sisters, is your heart open to God? Is, is Jesus Christ really God in your life? And wherever you're at, if you're, you're someone who's a devout Catholic or you're someone who's new, all of us can have hardened hearts. It's so important for us to constantly through our lives say, Lord, I know that I have blind spots. I have a way of seeing the world and sometimes I'm a sinner and sometimes my heart goes after things it shouldn't. And I want to listen to your word. But here's the second piece. What I really want to emphasize to you this morning is that, brothers and sisters, the church, the body of Christ in the world, is prophetic. 
God loves the whole world. He loves every single soul he creates. And he loves them passionately. And what that means is that he doesn't want them to fall into sin and darkness and to judgment. You belong to him. You're one of his people. And one of the ways that people turn and repent is by being provoked. I wish it were the other way. You know, I wish that Christianity were just always good news. Always easy, always soft. You know people who are just always, like, happy to see you? And they always have good news for you and just always a smile on your face? You know what those people are called in the Old Testament? False prophets. False prophets. Here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6. Today we're in Luke 4, but just two chapters later, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this. Jesus says, Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil on account of the Son of Man, right? If people hate you because you're a jerk, that doesn't do anything good for you, right? If you're rude and cantankerous and all those things, that doesn't mean you're a good Christian. But if people hate you because of him, rejoice and be glad. (laughs) Jesus says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Just a few verses later, he says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. When you hear a Christian and the only message he or she has is you're going to heaven, they are a false prophet. Prophet. Woe to you when all men speak good of you. Brothers and sisters, if you're living the Christian life, make no mistake, you will be persecuted for it. And that's so important. I know the, the normal thing, I think it's easy when you're a layperson, it's easy to think that kind of job belongs to. Father Brian, and we'll pray for Sean as he becomes a deacon. Good luck. Hope you don't get lynched. Um, no, this is your job. This is your job. I wish it were otherwise, right? Don't you wish, like, you've got, we all have those family members who are far away from the church and God, and I know you'd love to, but you can't invite me to Thanksgiving, right? Hey, everybody, I brought Father Brian. Um, hey, uh, cousin, you know, Annie, He's going to talk to you for a few minutes about that whole living with your boyfriend thing. Hope you don't mind. We're going to have a drink in the kitchen. Okay. All right. Or like you invite me to your, your work. Uh, you know, announcement, all staff. Um, uh, I brought my friend Father Brian to work today. He will be giving a brief uh, overview of hell on our lunch break. Please join us in the coffee room. Right? Like, I can't be there. And I wouldn't do that anyways, you know that. You are the presence of Jesus Christ in the world. You're the presence of Jesus. You are called, you should make people uncomfortable. 
your life, your love for God, the fact that you live morality is a good thing. And it's going to make people uncomfortable. Very simply this morning, finally, how do you do it? Lord, if we know Jesus, if you, we know you're inviting us to this prophetic vocation, right, to conflict, to friction, how do we do it? The end, I hope you go home today and you read that section, 1 Corinthians 13, our second reading. Here's how you do it. The reason Jeremiah could do what he did, the reason Jesus could do what he did is because they were burning with love. Right? The love of God burned inside of them, and so they could do it. In 1 Corinthians 13 today, what we heard, right, Love has a form. It looks a certain way. Read that chapter carefully. Right at the end of that section we heard today, Paul says, love believes all things. It hopes all things. Love endures all things. And if you love, you can have perseverance and endurance. To Jesus this morning, Lord, fill us with faith, hope, and love, the center of the Christian life. And Lord, may that love be so strong, may it burn so deeply in every one of us that we might be true and authentic witnesses 